three, two, one, roll the footage. Welcome back, everybody, to the Strategy Sprints podcast. I'm your host, Simon Severino. And my guest today, he went from being a general manager to a founder of one of the fastest growing incorporated 500 companies in the US. He became general manager for an international multi-million dollar organization. Today, he is a solopreneur consulting manufacturing and industrial services companies. Welcome, everybody. Martin Harshberger. Good morning. Or afternoon, I guess, for you. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. For some, it's morning. For some, it's night right now. <laughs> and um, I'm excited because you have brought a CEO tip about why we need a trusted advisor. And I am so pumped to hear more. But first, what are you currently creating? Well, new to me, uh, this year I partnered with some folks that were uh, developing a podcast for uh, uh, manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. Uh, there's a lot written about manufacturing, but mostly it's large companies. So we want to give uh, the small and mid-tier companies an opportunity to talk about their company and how they got there and the, some of the issues and opportunities they're seeing. So we're excited about that. Nice. And um, tell us about your CEO tip. Why do we really need an advisor? Well, that's a great that's a great question. I left a Fortune 500 company, uh, had a very large budget, a large group of, of reports. I thought I knew everything, and I went out on my own, and I realized what I didn't know. Uh, in a large company, you don't have uh, treasury, banking, you don't have any of that to deal with. Somebody else does it. So there were times... Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough that I had a very strong value proposition and we were able to grow that business pretty rapidly. Uh, but there were often times I, I wish they had somebody could, it was a non-threatening person. I could sit down and say, here's what I'm thinking. Is this good or bad? <laughs> but I didn't. Uh, and I think uh, it, I retired a couple of times, which we'll talk about, I guess. But uh, the last 16 years, I've worked with CEOs and, of uh, mid-tier companies and I think there's a stigma there that says, you know, if I admit I don't know something, that's it's it's a problem. They're fighting things that they don't necessarily need to fight. Absolutely. I I sometimes need that bouncing off and that sparring and that challenge. I can imagine if you don't have it internally, you really need it outside. And are there some specific um content issue like manufacturing topics where you would say this is also something you you need to source from outside or you get feedback on uh, i'm not sure i understand what you're asking me because now it was more on the on on the general level of uh testing ideas and getting feedback but is there any specific uh knowledge component or skill where you say yeah i think one thing i see uh, when I go into companies, uh, especially manufacturing companies, a lot of companies manage off the P&L, which is a lagging indicator. Six could be six, eight weeks between the time they actually see it and, and uh, complete the P&L. Uh, a lot of companies don't have KPIs, so they're not trending their their um, their key indicators. Uh, you know, if you have a, a bad month in scrap and it, you don't see it till two weeks after the month ends. 
you know, it's, 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 uh, it's tough to go back and address it. So one of the things I stress is, is the fact that, that you've got to have KPIs and you got to look at your, your business real time and you got to trend it. Uh, just common sense things that, that depending on, the, there's such a broad variance in the companies you deal with. Some are really sharp at it and some are unknown, you know? So uh, the other is lean manufacturing. You know, when I, when I ran the HAC company, I had, I had a consultant come in and do uh, do lean uh, a Kaizen event for me and, and set up my line. And I had I was doing seven unit ventilators a day, and I went to thirty five a day. So, I mean, that was huge. So, you know, there are things out there that I think my history with manufacturing is they kind of I deal a lot with founders, so they kind of get tunnel vision and they don't step back and look what the, what opportunities are out there for them. For people who don't, who never have applied lean, could you um, unpack it a little bit? What did they do? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that either. <laughs> For people who don't, who do not know how lean project management oh. looks like, can you unpack it a little bit? Ah, uh, sure. I mean, it, it, it's a, uh, it's pretty basic. It's it's organize your workplace, get things out of it that don't belong in there, make sure things that do belong in there are visible. Uh, get the equipment in, in shape, look at your KPIs. The biggest problem with lean, and I've done lean consulting with one company, uh, but the biggest problem with that is just uh, accountability and execution, which is the biggest problem across the board for everything. But uh, buying into it and, and, and continuing to struggle to keep it that way. What are three books that influenced you most? Well, I had to think about that yesterday because there's a lot of, you can see I had a lot of books back there. Uh, one is The Balanced Scorecard uh, by Paul Niven. Uh, it talks a lot about difficulties with strategy and execution. One is No Nonsense Management, which is an old book. It's from the 70s. And it's probably the first business book I ever read, but it's, it's awesome. And the other is Change or Die. And the title says what it is. And it's interesting because what it says is even people that, that are given medical news, it says if you don't change your lifestyle, you'll die. The difficulty to make that change is the same as if you're doing a change initiative in a business. There's a really fear or reluctance to change. So that's a pretty interesting book. What are you excited about looking forward with your solopreneur business now? Well, I, the podcast is big, you know, for me because it's brand new, and, and you can tell I'm not, not a kid, so it's it's kind of exciting for me. Uh, I really want to give a, a, a manufacturing in a, in the United States kind of gets a, a low priority. I don't know why, because it's critical. I think it's the most critical industry we have, and I want to give them a forum to 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 um, kind of educate people what it's like. Uh, I think you look at manufacturing. I grew up in a steel mill town in Pennsylvania. So manufacturing was a steel mill town. It was dirty. It was all that. Uh, but there, there's, there's tons of opportunities in manufacturing for young people, and they aren't going into it because they don't see it as a flashy opportunity. But uh, there, there are great jobs out there. Absolutely. Do you miss all your assistants and people reporting to you and people organizing stuff. <laughs> no, I have two dogs that work for me on the couch over here. That's it. Very <laughs> lean. That's it. I had, I had uh, to tell you a little story. I had um, 
a, a revelation one uh, probably four three or four years into my company i was looking at a payroll report and i had a million dollar a month payroll and it scared me to death <laughs> it's the first time i hit a million a month in payroll which is which is it's it was humbling uh so no i don't miss having employees i had about 550 in the states and we had about 100 in europe so I'm, I'm i'm okay without that i like this because it can be also quite overwhelming because then you are all departments every single department is you right yeah that's exactly it. yeah that's right but you know i i i work at my own pace now um you know i do work with clients but I'm, I'm going to say that right, but I mean, I try to be very selective, um, make sure there's a, a great fit between the two of us, uh, make sure there's trust there. And, and, you know, it's fun for me now, you know, so it's not something that I, I stress about. What is in, in the manufacturing community, what, what's the main topic right now? People. No, it's pure and simple people. Um, here in the first quarter of 2020 the u.s we had economy was booming unemployment was a three three point four percent i think it was and and i had clients that that had to slow down growth because they just couldn't hire and part of that is a stigma that people think manufacturing is a blue collar job and they don't like it well there's there's a lot of opportunity within it um but i i think that moving forward that's the biggest problem that any company has I trying to find people or trying to keep people right now in this recession yes <laughs> both uh trying to find people I, I, there, there's a certain i mean the workforce is different you know i'm in my 70s so obviously i i grew up in a time where you know you not only expected to work it was it was uh it was seen as a kind of an honorable thing you know to, to support yourself your family that kind of thing and now it, it's it's more um there's there's a lot of how do I say this? A lot of opportunities to make money don't necessarily coincide with building something. I mean, there's a lot of internet entrepreneurs and so on that generate cash, but uh, when you look at building brick and mortar businesses, it's uh, it's I think it's tough to attract people to that. I am curious who you pick for the strategy award after one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. You can pick one person to give the strategy award to. Who do you pick? Well, I wasn't I wasn't sure if you, you wanted uh, somebody I know personally or somebody famous. So I, I think famous, I think it'd be Steve Jobs. I think he's he's uh he took Apple uh when it was uh struggling as a computer company against uh, the big uh, Windows-based thing and, and transformed it into a uh, just a great company. And it got in more into delivery than it is, was into the actual unit itself. I think that was, that was uh, and I, 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 one of my customers when I was, had my logistics company was Apple. I handled all their returns and refurbs for uh, North America. So, I got to know a lot about them. So I think that'd have to be him. And what are things you changed your mind about recently? Well, with with the COVID thing, the shutdown over here, I've had some time on my hands. Obviously, a lot of us have. 
And I thought that um, I started doing, I never worked with business coaches. And I thought that what I would do is try to try to develop a, a framework that I could teach business coaches what I've learned over the last 30 years. I, mean, I spent 15 years as CEO of two companies and I spent 16 years not consulting before that. So I've had a lot of hands-on experience and, and learned a lot of stuff the hard way, obviously. <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to put together a framework and say, look, maybe we could, we could expand some of that knowledge and, and get more help to, to businesses in a more consistent manner. And, and frankly, I just gave up. Uh, the, the coaching uh, world is so varied and so uh, I'm trying to think of the levels. I mean, it's, it, it was just really tough to find anybody to, to work with. So, so I went back to what I know, work with selected CEOs and move on. Cool. Where, where can people read more about your, your, your offers? Uh, martinharshberger.com. Uh, and who should contact you to work with you? Well, if you're a CEO, that's uh, I like. To, uh, I have a sweet spot for companies between 10 million and 50 million because 10 million they're big enough that's it's fun, and 50 million they're still small enough that you can make an impact. And I've worked with larger companies, and and sometimes it's it's, it's tough to to make an impact. But um, you know, that, that want to just have a have a conversation. I don't, I don't know if it's a fit for us, but let's have a conversation and see what see what you you're looking for and see what I've got and see if there's a fit, but I'm not a hard sales kind of guy. I mean, I, I, I take it or as a kind of, I enjoy talking to folks. Let's put it that way. So if you're manufacturing, I like, I like to talk about the businesses. I like to visit businesses. One of your recent favorite projects that you are, are allowed to share. Well, let's see. I don't know if I have any recent, I wrote two books, uh, published two books uh, over the last, 16 years, uh, working on the podcast now. And I developed, the, I, I guess, one project I did. It, I, when I started working with coaches, I developed a course to help coaches learn strategic planning. Uh, believe it or not, a lot, I think if you look at statistics, 50% of companies don't have a plan. Uh, the value of planning isn't the plan. The value of planning is planning understanding your business and digging down and making and what i do with someone is i make them defend all their assumptions mm. they think they know their business because they've been in it and then maybe they do and maybe they don't but i make them defend it it's pretty good dialogue um i use that framework as well now that i'm in the remote coaching i use that framework to help ceos prepare for coaching sessions so i'm, I'm kind of excited about that Oh, uh, how do you how do you do this um, assumptions defending uh, exercise? Tell us. Well, uh, let's go through a SWOT analysis. Maybe uh, it's, it's a good tool. It, I mean, it's, it is a tool. But when somebody tells me uh, that one of their strengths is, I don't know, give me a, give me an example. Uh, well, one one client told me that one of their strengths was technology. I said that's great. I won't tell you what business they were in. They said, but they had this great software package and, and this was a fairly large company. So I was a little shocked. And I said, okay, so that's proprietary. You guys have developed that. He said, no. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> if it's a strength, 
that I can go buy off the shelf. It's not a strength for you. I mean, it, that was a kind of a revelation. So people look at their businesses hmm. differently, you know, which we backed off of that and said, you know, I can go buy that software and I'm, I'm a competitor immediately. You know, and others, people, people say, well, we've got the best salespeople. We've got the best. I don't have to buy your company. I just have to hire the people. <laughs> That's not a strength, right? If you tell me you've got a, a, a genius engineer and that's what's keeping you in business, they see that as a strength. It's not. It's a weakness because I can hire that engineer. I give him 100000 a year more than he's making now. It's cheaper than buying a business. Okay. Yeah. Assumptions validation. Very, very important. Should should people do inside of their teams or you just call Martin and he makes a session with you and tests your assumptions. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes I'll watch when it happens. Uh, when I, I've been doing it on site for the last 16 years and we're going to conference room and I'll watch a CEO and the interface with the client with his staff. And if there's no communications there, the assumptions all one person. Uh, you know, and I try to bring that communication out. And I think that's a common thread uh, that they'll defer to that one person. And that one person, in a lot of cases, myself included, I want that dialogue. I want to know what you're thinking. I don't pay you not to tell me. So uh, I, I think an outsider has a better shot at doing that because he's, you know, like me, I, I don't work for you, so I can tell you what, what I see. That's maybe one of the main values of hiring an outside consultants first they can say stuff that nobody can say internally and uh, you see across industries and across regions so you bring also some pieces of information uh, that can challenge or enrich the conversation absolutely you can bring best practices from one industry to another if there's a fit uh, so and, and people do. I mean, they get they get emotionally attached to their business. They've been at it. They founded it. They've been at it, and they tend to look internally more than they do externally. And uh, you know, that's something that somebody can bring. What are some trends in manufacturing that you find relevant? Well, automation obviously is a trend because again, back to people uh, in large companies. I just watched a video yesterday. Uh, I was interested in it about a BMW factory in Germany. And it's amazing, just a paint operation. It's amazing how few people are in that. It's, I mean, the stuff was, uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty powerful. Well, large companies have the money and, and the time to invest that and make that kind of capital investment. Smaller companies don't. So when I look at automation for a small company, I'm looking at trying to fine-tune processes, things they can afford to do, KPIs, processes, that kind of thing. Uh, employee turnover is a big deal. So just one of the things that I think is becoming more important uh, than it was maybe 10 or 15 years ago is cu uh, culture, core values. Uh, you know, you're used to going out and selling your company to customers. What's harder to do, you're going to have to start selling this company to employee. So you can retain and attract and retain employees. Uh, social media is, if you've got a bad reputation as, uh, with your workforce, social media is going to take that and run with it. So all those are trends that are new, I think, and relatively new anyway. Martin, who should be my next guest? 
Well, I thought about that too. There, there's a guy I worked with for, um, oh, actually, it goes back 20 plus years, but he's got a company up in Memphis that really does things right. It's kind of an unusual guy. Uh, his industrial service company, but I'll give you an example. Uh, he will not sell in price, refuses. He will not lower prices. His, 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 he has a SQP, large S, large Q, small P, safety, quality, productivity. In other words, safety, quality are highest, productivity is lowest. And this guy, is, he will have a, a daily meeting with his employees. And if he doesn't mention SQP at one time during that meeting, and they catch him, they'll give everybody $100. <laughs> So he's and the thing there is he actually does it sometimes just to see if they do catch him for you know a few hundred dollars. But what he's doing there is he's driving that safety, quality, productivity consistently. I mean, he really does things uh, in an interesting way. Carl Barton's his name, and he is on uh, LinkedIn. So thank you so much, Martin, for sharing your wisdom on our show. And um, is there anything I forgot to ask you? Uh, I can't think of anything other than, uh, you know, what, what do I see the most common? One of the things people do ask me is, uh, haven't been around a long time. Everybody wants to know what you see. I think the biggest problem I see with, with uh, companies across the board is accountability and execution. Uh, you know, you know, back to change or die. I mean, it, it's uh, it, it, change initiatives, strategy, all that is not instant gratification. And, I'll see too many executives saying, okay, I've got a problem. I go fix that problem. I feel good. I go home tonight. I did something. But, you know, that's not solving. That's not creating value. And I think creating value over long term requires discipline and requires accountability. And I think that's the biggest problem across the board I've seen. Accountability and execution. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Martin, for being here and uh, sharing your experience and your wisdom with our community. Please come back soon. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.